This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone. Today I am chatting with Jessica Vanderweer. Jess is a registered psychotherapist from Ontario and a mother of two girls. She shares practical parenting insights daily on Our Mama Village on Instagram, and she also has a free masterclass on three secrets to punishment-free parenting, which I will link to in the show notes. In today's episode, we talk about the topic of bullying. We discuss how to raise kids who don't bully first steps to take if your child is being bullied, handling different situations you may come across, and much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right. Good morning, Jess. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you doing today? Great. Good. So today we are, we're talking about bullying. And this was a topic that was really, it was requested a lot by people in my community, which I can understand because my kids now are entering that phase. You know, my my oldest is going to be eight and then almost a six-year-old. And you know, obviously my other kids are younger, but it's that age where it starts to kind of become an issue and you don't really know how to handle it from both sides, both if your child is being bullied and if your child is the bullier. So I'm just so excited to talk to you about this subject today. I'm really excited to talk about the subject too. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording, but when I'm on our mama village, this is not something that I've talked about too much. I did a small series on it and I had a lot of interest from people. But in my private practice, I actually work with a lot of school age kids. And for the past five, six years, I've been working in schools. So this is something that I've seen come up over and over again. And I think that there is really like a lack of awareness on it. So I'm excited to talk about this more today. Yeah, yeah. So Jess, I think it would be helpful for us to start off with what is the definition of bullying? Yeah, I think that's really important to define because in schools, we will see that children have conflict. Sometimes children even are fighting with each other. And there is a difference between kind of peer to peer or even sibling conflict and actual bullying. So what is the difference is that a bully is someone who's uh, cruel or mean and uses power to kind of inflict being cruel or mean and it's habitual so it happens over and over it's not necessarily a one-time thing or a one-time argument but it's something that's reoccurring uh there's often this power imbalance or this feeling of this power imbalance between the bully and the person who's being bullied or being victimized so that's what we're really looking for when we're seeing that okay this is bullying behavior it's happening over and over and there's this power imbalance so I have a question about that. So yeah. unless, so if, if your child's going to school, obviously you don't know what's happening at school, right? So some, some children will come home and they'll, they'll be open and tell their parents, Hey, this is happening. Are there signs that your child might be being bullied, but they're not telling you like, what should we be looking out for in our children? For sure. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the ideal situation is that your child would come home and they would tell you about the bullying. And we can talk a little bit about how to create that culture in your home kind of as we go through the interview. Uh, But some signs that I might look out for is 
your child maybe at first was fine to go to school, you didn't really see any problems. In the kids that I see who are being bullied, we often see that all of a sudden they don't want to get ready for school in the morning, or they don't want to get on the school bus, or you just see really silly or kind of funny behavior in the morning, and you're not really understanding this change. So there's a change mm-hmm. in behavior towards school. You might hear them uh, start saying things like, yeah, I don't want to go to school, or uh, you might hear them start talking about the bully, but not necessarily telling you exactly what's happening. You might mm-hmm. see a child withdrawing. That's a big one that we see as well. So seeing them turn more inward and not talking about school as much, not wanting to talk about their day, just kind of shutting down when they get home. And then a third thing you might possibly see is actually that same bullying behavior. You might see that towards the other children in the home. So you might see your child actually starting to engage in behavior that they've never really done before towards their siblings, angry, mean, kind of bullying behavior, acting that out at home. Gotcha. Okay. So if you suspect, or if your child is telling you that they're being bullied, what are some things that you can do? Yeah, this is an awesome question. So some of the things that I would right away just try and say to my child, uh, I would really uh, want them to know I'm so happy that they told me. So I might say something like, it took courage to tell me this. I'm so glad that you told me. This is not your fault. I'm here to help you. You want your child to know really that you're on their team and that you're Mm -hmm. so glad that they told you. Uh, Your instant reaction, I know my instant reaction if my daughters were being bullied, probably be like anger and overwhelmed and upset and I remember seeing this uh, my brother was bullied for a time and I remember seeing that from my dad and his instant reaction was just like getting extremely angry and upset and even though this is such a natural reaction what our children really need to know at that time is that we can actually be calm for them and that we're there to help Mm -hmm. them and that we're there to create a plan Um, So just monitoring, try and be mindful of your own reaction. And it's okay to have that, but try and have that outside of the moment with your child. Saying things like, let's take steps so this won't happen again. Really letting your child know that I hear you and we're going to make a plan so that this stops happening is the most powerful thing that you can do when they first tell you that they're being bullied. From there, some key messages that you probably want your children to know is you're a good person worthy of respect. What this bully says about you or is doing to you is about them. It actually has nothing to do with you. So doing some psychoeducation with your children, even and just saying like the reason that this person is bullying is actually not because of the clothes that you're wearing or not because uh, of the way you look or how good you are at math or whatever it is that they're bullying them about. It actually has to do with their own hurt. And sometimes that psychoed can be helpful for Uh, our kids to know, um, but often they're coming with a lot of hurts. So we may have to talk about this over and over. And again, that key message that you won't be left alone with these, with this concern. So that's what I would do right away when, if they came to me with bullying. Now, I know this is going to probably vary depending on, you know, how old the child is, but let's just say theoretically that this child is in elementary school. They tell you they're being bullied. You take these first couple of steps. Now, how? what do you teach your child to do in that particular moment? So they're being bullied, you know, whatever it might be, you know, this person's teasing them, saying mean things, maybe even pushing them around. What do you say to your child as far as like, what if your child says to you, how do I react, mom? What do I do when that person's doing this? What would your response be? Yeah. So there's a few things that I actually would teach our children. So The first thing I would teach in that moment is assertiveness. Again, not telling our children that we are going to let just let them handle this on their own. So this is one piece of the puzzle is that we can teach our children assertiveness and we can kind of role play out the situation at home. That's one piece of the puzzle. So assertiveness basically looks like telling the bully either stop or walking, just walking away from the bully or saying something like, I won't let you bully me, labeling it. Um, it really kind of depends situation to situation. I had a client once who was being bullied and every day it was just about whatever outfit that she would wear. And so when I was working through some assertiveness training with her, we tried out 
a few different sayings just to see what would feel good for her and what she could actually feel like she could say in the moment. And for her, what ended up being best was just saying, okay. And like, just literally saying, okay, and letting it roll off her and walking away and going to her safe person on the playground. So some for some kids, they do need to say stop, they do need to label it as bullying. For other kids, they can just not say anything and walk away and go to a safe person. So again, like, it can be so nuanced depending on what bullying is happening and what it's looking like. So kind of tuning into that situation with your child. And then you can role play the situation out at home. So you can practice. So if this person's saying this to you, how could you respond? Or what are you going to do? You're going to walk away. You're going to tell a teacher what's happening. You're going to walk away. You're going to go to your friend. Role playing that out and so that they know that they have a safety plan. And they know that they don't just have to stand there as the person is bullying them and just listen to it. That's really the key that the child needs to have a plan so that they know that they are allowed to walk away and go tell a safe person. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. So let's switch gears slightly and just say, what can we do in our homes that will help it help our kids not be raised to be bullies? Like what can we do as far as setting the foundation in our homes so that our kids don't feel the need to bully other kids. Is there anything we can do to kind of set that groundwork? For sure. There's so many things that we can do to raise kids who are uh, not only not bullies, like kind and empathetic children, but also people who will stand up to bullies and see that that's wrong. So some things that you might just practice at home, you might practice taking another person's perspective. So a really key thing to raise kids who are I guess, anti-bullying would be that they develop that uh, empathy muscle. So they they can start to take another person's perspective. So even if you're, let's say, in the grocery store and you see someone that's having a hard time or maybe a child who's crying or you, you see someone having a big emotion, you might say something to your child like, what do you think that person's feeling right now? And just give them a, a chance while they're calm and everyone's calm and it's someone outside of their family to just practice taking on another person's perspective and just wonder how that person's feeling. I like to do that also while you're watching a TV show or reading a book, that perspective taking can really help them develop empathy, which is huge. Something else that can help is when they are being kind and gentle or loving towards, let's say a sibling or somebody else, even yourself, you can narrate this out loud to them, say stuff like, Hey, I saw how gentle you were. Uh, with your baby sister earlier, that was really cool. Starting to build that connection in their mind that it impacts others, the way that they act impacts others. And that can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. A few other things, uh, you can read stories about people who stood up for injustice. So I think books can be a really cool way to kind of build that as well. Let them hear you stand up for others. So I remember I shared this on my Instagram stories months ago about a time when I was kind of sitting in this environment and everybody was just talking bad about other people. Like there's just a lot of gossip that was going on. Mm. And that's just not something that I am really about and something I probably used to do a lot more. But now that I have a four and a half year old, I see her being so aware of everything that people are talking about and they were just talking bad about people and I could see their people that she knew. So I actually uh, said something and said, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk bad about that person and tried to take their perspective in front of her. And later she, she brought that back up to me and she was like, why would you say that? Why would they say bad things like that? And so just, it's so, that was like just a real eye opener, powerful situation for me to see how much they are little sponges and they're soaking up what we do. So just being mindful of your language. I don't know if you've had any experiences like that. I know your kids are a little bit older than mine. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think more than anything at this particular age is that you might even see the bullying happening. So this is really hard for me in particular because I'll be sitting there and I'm just watching it happen, whether, you know, my child is the one being bullied or my child is being the bully. 
both instances have happened and I'm like, okay, what do I do in this moment? For me, it's easier for me to react if my child is being the bully. Yes. But when my child's being bullied, my immediate reaction is, like you said, it's anger. I want to run out there and start screaming, (laughs) like being completely inappropriate and dysregulated. (laughs) Yeah. So I would really love to hear your perspective on both of those. So, you know, if your child, you know, again, like probably elementary school age, you're seeing these two instances happen. How do you react? What are your first steps? Okay. Yeah. So let's say, let's just start with your child is being bullied. And you're, let's say you're watching it happen as with a friend there. Obviously, one of the first things I think would be noticing our own reaction, like you said, I would definitely be that mama bear as well, like coming out and being like, ah, stop. Yeah. But we do want to think about how can we empower our children as well to be able to respond in these situations when we're not there and we can't mama bear for them, uh, which in elementary school is a lot of the time. So in the moment, Obviously, if um, your child is in danger, we want to intervene right away. Like we don't want to just wait for them to be hurt or even with words. So we we would want to intervene. We can take our child away. You could just say like, uh, hey, like I'm noticing something's happening here. Do you need a break? So you take your child away from the situation. Take a break with them. Something that you can do is try and help them kind of develop that muscle, um, that assertiveness muscle. So we want them to be able to stand up for themselves. We want to empower them to be able to do that. Um, Most people have a few different types of communication. So some people have this passive communication. So you can imagine there's a few different animals that we usually talk about when we talk about this kind of communication. So passive would be almost like a mouse that kind of like scurries away at the sound of conflict. Um, there's aggressive communication that's like a lion. So this might be the kind of child that just like fights back. So if, you know, you say something to me and I just say something even worse to you. And so you get into fights like that. And then in the middle of both of those is the assertive wise owl. So even tempered, but they're able to be very assertive and stand up for themselves. And so that's what we want to practice with our kids who are being bullied. So I would practice with your child, like, what What do you need this person to know? Stop. You can't talk to me like that. If they continue to talk to you like that, who are you going to go to? Who's a safe person that you can tell what's happening? And having a few safe people, whether that's at school, it might be a teacher, might be a principal or a friend. If you're like at the playground, it would be going back to you, making sure that they have a safe person that they can tell. And making sure that they know that they don't, like we talked about before, have to just stand there and listen to someone talk bad about them or be mean to them. So that would be kind of the plan I would come up with when they're being bullied. And then if they're being the bully, that's something that I would definitely want to have a conversation and get curious about with my child. And I think it's important for parents to know, like you said, your child's been the bully and they've also been bullied. And I think a lot of parents feel very shameful to say, like, my child is the bully. And I think it's important to know that it's not necessarily a reflection of your parenting. It doesn't mean like you're an awful parent if your child is being mean. There's so many reasons why my real first reaction would be getting curious with your child if they're being the bully. And again, you're going to have that internal reaction of probably anger at your child. Like, why? Why would you say that? Why would you hit somebody else? Why would you do this? But instead, I would really come to my child with, help me understand. I I would say that sentence or tell me more about what's going on here. So I would say something like, help me understand. I'm hearing from school that you're being really mean to Tommy. And I'm I'm hearing from school that, that that keeps happening over and over. Can you help me understand what's going on? Partnering with them, getting on their level, and uh, I would not throw punishments and discipline like I wouldn't throw punishments on them right away for that what they really need is that connection with you and what you really need is to get curious about what they need and why what need this bullying behavior is meeting for them now is there anything I know I have a a couple of questions I feel like would go really well with all of this from my community is there anything you want to point out as far as like the building blocks or the foundation for this topic before we jump into those? 
I think I've, I've covered a lot of the things that I think are really important already. I did want to, uh, maybe this is a question that has come up from your audience, but I do want to kind of talk about a few of those other puzzle pieces. So the one puzzle piece, like we talked about, is that assertiveness, helping your child know that they can stand up for themselves. Another puzzle piece is having safe adults. I teach on my page and in my courses, the high five safety team. Oh, I just was reading this. Oh, so you just seeing that? Oh, that's yes. funny. Yeah, I did. It was ironic. I just actually ended up posting about it yesterday. Well, that's why. So I told you I'm not a consumer on yeah. Instagram, but when I go in, you know, you see that first post and you're, it was you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love teaching the high five safety team. So what the post you're referring to, I was talking about consent um, on my feed this week, but the high five safety team, I think it's just really important for all elementary. So I teach it before they go to school. And basically if you haven't seen my post on that, it's for every finger on your child's hand, they have a safe person. And these are people that you, as their parent, you know, and you 100% trust completely. So I always hear from parents, well, I don't have five people that I would trust completely. And that's fine too. So you can have a, a three people or two people, whatever, whatever yeah. feels comfortable for you as a parent. But I think it's really important. And helpful for kids to know that yes, of course, they can come to you as a parent, but there's also other people in their lives that they can trust and they can talk to as well. Um, because sometimes kids don't want to go to their parent right away, especially as they get older. Although that's like the goal, that's what we want. And that's okay, too. So the high five safety team, for example, for my daughter would be myself, my husband, her grandparents, so my both my parents, and then uh, my sister in law. And when she goes to school, I guess we'll, uh, she's, she was in preschool, but with this whole last year, she's, <laughs> we pulled her out. Um, uh, but she'll be going back to school again in, in the fall. So if we get to know her teacher and we trust her, that might be someone that ends up going on her high five safety team as well. And these are people that she knows if someone is not treating her in a way that's safe, and I can go over some of those things she can go to and tell and she can trust them. So that I think is really uh, another critical piece so that your child knows that, okay, this is not, this friend is not acting like a trusted friend. This friend, like I can talk to my teacher or I can talk to my parents about that. Uh, something else I would do that I just mentioned is I would talk to them about trusted and tricky friends. And I would have this conversation about the time when they go to school. So a trusted friend is a friend that treats you kind uh, is fun to be around, accepts you for who you are, doesn't ask you to keep a secret from your parents. Um, that would be a major red flag. They don't hit, bite, or kick you. Uh, they don't try and touch you when you say stop. They don't say or do things that make you feel icky or whatever word works for your child. And they don't say mean things to you. And I can send it to you if you want to include it in the show notes, but I do have yeah. like a little um, principle that you can use for that if you want to go over that with your kids. But that's being proactive as well. And that's teaching them also how to be a trusted friend and mm -hmm. talking about you want to be that trusted friend as well. So I would go over that. And then the final piece would be having clear communication with the teacher, because I think having that clear communication. And I know in some schools, this can be really hard and the teacher or having that communication with the school can really be a barrier. Uh, but the more that you can have that conversation with the teacher, and if your child's coming to you saying that they've been bullied, uh, talking to the teacher and not, not waiting to talk to the teacher about it, I think is really important and helpful as well. And again, monitoring our own reactions and so not coming at the teacher with like, you've allowed this to happen in your class. Because I know like so many of my good friends are teachers and they get that. And they're like, I'm watching. I mean, in Canada, sometimes the class sizes are like 32 kids. Or like, I'm watching oh my 30, gosh. 32 kids. Yeah. It can be really big here. Like I, I don't see everything that happens, but from the most part, teachers do, they want to help. They want to support the kids in their class. So uh, having that communication, saying something like, hey, my child came home talking about this. Do you know about this? Could you keep an eye on this situation? Those can be really helpful conversations as well. Yeah. Yeah. I actually experienced that this particular year. 
my five-year-old, she is in, you know, preschool. She's going to kindergarten next year. And she had this incident with a little boy in her class. And so she came home and she's my, she's my child that will come home and tell me anything and everything, <laughs> but great. You know, some of it might be a little bit, you know, far fetched. Like it, the whole situation happened. It's just a little bit more amplified. Mm-hmm. I wonder who she gets that from. It's probably <laughs> me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so she, she came home and she was telling me this story and so I was like, oh, you know, that's really interesting. I'm really, you know, glad you came to me with this story. And, you know, let's let's kind of close the loop and, and talk with your teacher about this and and make sure she knew about it. And, you know, so I, I had emailed her and they're really great. They're really responsive. And so she emailed me back like within like an hour or two. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, I know that this happened. And, you know, this was the situation. And, you know, this was the reaction of both the kids. And so I, you know, I went back to her and I was like, okay you know, your teacher said that this happened and, you know, it was, it was what happened. It was just a little bit, you know, slightly different Mm -hmm. (laughs) in her eyes, but in her eyes, that's probably how she took it. But it's really good to kind of close that loop with the teachers. And then they're aware, like you said, you know, depending on the class size, they might not be aware that the situation happened and then they can be more aware, right? So, Mm -hmm. okay, something is happening. I'm just going to pay a little bit more attention to the dynamics between those two kids or that group of kids. And so it really helps, you know, to include them and just get the perspective of of what actually happened. Exactly. And yeah, remembering that, like, as much as it's your child's safety team like it's also your like those five people if your teacher's on like that's your team to support your child as well and you are all on the same page as for supporting the child so I think yeah exactly like you said closing that loop is key and that's really helpful yeah look Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let me pull up some of the questions, and we can dive into those. I think some of them may be some things we already talked about, but... Oh, okay. This was something I had wanted to cover. So what to do on a playground when it's, you know, your child versus another child and the parents of the bully won't help or they don't do anything. Like maybe they are aware of the situation. They're watching it play out, but they're not doing anything about it, right? So if your child, say your child is is the one that's being bullied and the parents of the bullier are like, you know, within throwing distance of where you are, but they're not doing anything. What do you do? Yeah. So you are your child's best advocate. So if the parents of the bully don't want to do anything, that's very unfortunate. It's too bad. It's too bad for the child that's bullying. And at the same time, you can still step in and uh, remember that, yeah, you are your child's best advocate. So Mm -hmm. if they are being bullied, you can actually go and remove your child from that situation. You can go and, just check in with your child, like we talked about before. Hey, how's mm-hmm. it going? You know, I'm just noticing something's going on here. What's up? And you can even come, like, I love the what's up for kids. <laughs> it's just like very kind of neutral and easy. And yeah, that way you're not, because I think a lot of the times if a child's being bullied, like the last thing that they want is their parent coming in and making a big scene because they're already probably feeling some shame or embarrassment about what's going on. Uh, so mm-hmm. just keeping it really low key and then pulling your child aside. But yeah, remembering that you can step in. And even if the bully's parents aren't doing anything, you are still allowed to step into the situation. Mm-hmm. If you know the bully's parents, you can, in again, a neutral uh, kind of way, try to bring it up to them and say, hey, I'm noticing this dynamic that's going on between our two kids. It's not really sitting super well with me. What's going on? Like, like, what's your take on it? What's your take on um, what's happening here? And you can see if they'll respond to it. And again, knowing that they they might not. They might not see that it's an issue. They might not want to respond to it. And so you focus on what is within your control. And yeah. 
of course, like if you're truly concerned about the child who is being the bully or what might be happening at home, then that might be a bigger conversation as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the most difficult situations, though, in my mind is like, you you know, your kids are all playing great. And then, you know, you know, that there's sometimes this instance where this one child keeps doing the same thing, and then they do it. And then, you know, you know, that the parents are seeing it, right? But they don't react. And it's like, then you have the anger of not only your child (laughs) being bullied, but they're not doing anything about it, you know, and I think there's so many thoughts that go through your head when that's happening. It's like, you know, okay, well, they clearly don't care. And it's like, okay, do I confront? Because confrontation for all of us is always a difficult thing. You know, I think it Mm -hmm. might come a little bit easier to some people, but it is a difficult thing to do, especially in an instance like this, where it involves your children, because then you're, you know, you're saying something about their child. And so the immediate response is usually defense, right? But yeah, it's just, it's, it's such a tough situation. I know there was a lot of questions on that, you know, just like how to address the parents of, of the bullier, you know, how do you make it a conversation that's productive? And that's, you know, it's not a conversation where it's like pushing blame or anything like that. It's just making them aware that the situation is happening more than anything else. For sure. And I think that often those types of things play out like so often in let's say even family relationships where maybe it's like a cousin who's bullying a younger cousin or friendships where it's your friend's child who's doing it. And so then there's that extra also layer of, Ooh, like this is my sibling's child, you know, or this is my friend's child. And so I think trying to come from, again, that neutral perspective, regulating ourselves, especially with that first conversation and just trying to keep it instead of saying like your child's a bully, which is of course going to put their defenses up and not make them want to communicate with you, even if they are seeing it, keeping in mind that maybe they feel helpless to it as well. And maybe they've just, it's their behavior, their child's behavior has gotten out of hand. I've seen this quite a few times where it's like, I know, like, I know this isn't right, but like, I just don't even know how to handle it. So I'm not it's like an anxious response from a parent. So trying to see if you can partner with them and just say like, Hey, I'm noticing this dynamic. I'm not feeling good about it with our kids. What do you think we could do? And just try and see. And this is the first conversation. Obviously, if you've had this a bunch of times, that's a lot more challenging, but I would start there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that can be well, yeah. So I one of the questions was, you know, okay, you know, I'm I'm having this conversation, right? And Mm -hmm. I made them aware of the situation, but they're not seeing it the way I'm seeing it. And they're saying their child is doing it because, so say they're saying something mean to the other child. And they're like, well, you know, my child's just being truthful. My child's just being real with your child, Mm. you know? So what, like, what is your response in that situation? Do you just say, okay, you know, we're not going to see eye to eye in this way. And we don't, we just like, make distance between our our children from then on? Or what, like, what would be your reaction to that? Yeah, I guess there's a few things I think about. But the first thing that I always think for parents is, like, I say this to my daughter all the time, it's our job to keep our kids safe and, and protect our kids. So if it is a true bullying situation, and the parents are not wanting to change on it, and the child is continuing to bully bully our child, I would create that space. I wouldn't even if I was friends with the parents, keep putting my child back in that situation because it is our job to keep them safe and it's our job to partner with them. And there is times for sure. And I've seen it as well where kids are being mean, the comments are bullying or the physical aggression. And we unfortunately sometimes do have to make space from a friendship. If, if, if you've tried to resolve, you've tried to do all these other things. And I know that's like not a great answer but sometimes that is the case or sometimes part of that case is supervision like so if your children are together you are there and they're not like in their rooms playing while you and the other mom are having coffee you know and then for whatever to happen while they're up in their rooms playing or however that looks for you it would be like a supervised situation where you can watch the whole thing and then still if it's still happening again there would I would create that boundary in that space. Yeah. Yeah. How old are your children? I have a uh, 
four and a half year old and a one year old. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we're like my personal experience obviously is with um, more elementary school and preschool age kids, but you said you did work in a school. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to bring up the topic of specifically for the listeners that might have older kids that, you know, like in their teens that may or may not have social media or, you know, the internet in general and are dealing with cyberbullying, which is, I mean, this makes my brain really hurt (laughs) for so many different reasons, but I feel like this is so detrimental to the growth of our children in this age range because, I mean, personally for me, so I was bullied in high school by just one girl. And I was, you know, I was with a big group of friends. I had a lot of, I was friends with everybody, but I had a big group of friends. And there was this one girl who was older than me who always bullied me. And I mean, bullied me. Like she called me names. She hit me. She threw me against lockers, things like that in high school. But but thinking back, actually, I, I do feel like I had a good like I always just ignored her. I never really like did anything about it. And to be honest, she got bored. And then at a party one night, she was like, Hey, sorry for all that. <laughs> like it was such a weird <laughs> anyways. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> every situation is going to be different, but that's, that's how I personally dealt with it was just completely ignoring her. Um, and I had a, I felt like I had a good support system, you know, which I think is, is huge. You know, I, I had a lot of good friends in my group and then obviously my parents and things like that. And so I didn't feel like it affected me emotionally, like I had that good backbone, but what do you even do with, with this whole new subject of social media and kids going on there and, and having this whole new realm of, of situations to deal with, like, like seeing that people are out with other friends and you were invited or, so I have this one friend whose daughter is in fourth grade and she says that so first of all, a lot of them have phones. So that mm-hmm. alone to me is, it makes me really anxious, but they are posting on TikTok and this one girl in her class was posting on there, all the girls she hated in her school oh. on TikTok. Okay. So yeah, I know it like, you know, it, honestly, of- I have, I have goosebumps right now because I, I was working with teens and I had quite a few teen clients before having my last baby. I was actually, I was working in a school and then also in my private practice with a lot of teens. So this whole social media, it uh, gives me goosebumps. Yeah, it's a real struggle. And it's really important for us, even as like, I'm not sure about your audience, but I know my audience is very much like the zero to kind of seven range. Yeah. But even in this time, like it's important for us to be thinking about the way that social media is going to impact our kids and the way that we want to present that to our children. My number one piece of advice would be put off having giving them a phone or any social media for as long I mean, as possible. Yeah, this is yeah. like, yeah, this is my whole thing. I'm hoping just I'm hoping is, is I'm hoping that by the time our kids are like, I mean, granted, my oldest is going to be eight, but like, mm-hmm. all my other kids, you know, I'm hoping that things will change slightly because I, because I do feel that things were, were becoming more aware, especially in the past like year or two, we're like, Oh wait, smartphones might not be as good for us as we once thought they were. Yes. There's like a, an enormous amount of convenience that comes with them, but these are all the downfalls and these are all the cons to using the phone. And, you know, we don't want to introduce this to our children. So I, I feel like hopefully there will be this mm, turn of events by the time our kids get there where it's not so common for, because, you know, a lot of the times it's like, it's, it's obviously a lot more work as a parent to say no and to explain why, and to say that, you know, these are all the reasons why I'm not giving you a phone. It's obviously the way harder way to deal with it than to just give your kid a phone because you don't want them to feel left out or you don't want people to make fun of them because they don't have a phone. Right. Because that could be a cause of, of your child being me. Oh, you don't have a phone. Ha ha. You're such a baby or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And you don't want that for your child, you know? And you, so you're like, okay, you hand them over a phone. Where was I going with this? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I could talk about the topic forever though. Because, oh yeah. So I just hope that maybe, you know, the, the parents of, you know, our generation are, are thinking, okay, maybe, you know, this isn't a good thing. I'm not, I'm going to stick with the rest of the parents here and not give my child a phone because I do feel like 
if half the kids, you know, in their class have a phone and half don't, you know, they're gonna be like, okay, not everybody in my class has a phone, that's fine. But if everybody does, it's really hard to be that one parent, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I get it. But anyways, yeah, so I mean, (laughs) with your experience that you've had with teens, obviously, apart from you, like you said, taking, you know, not giving them the access to like a a smartphone that has these capabilities of going on these apps. What else can we do? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's the ultimate, but like you said, I mean, it's just not always possible. And yeah. So once they have the phone, we want to do have a high level of parental controls. You want to be able to go on and see what your child's looking at, what they're seeing and have that open conversation with them. And that's why I said, like, if we can even start these conversations about phone safety and screen safety, um, when they are young, like when they are as old as four, four, five, six, seven, starting that before they would ever even have a phone, talking about things with your child, like good pictures and bad pictures. Um, I have an amazing book. It's literally called Good Pictures and Bad Pictures. Mm. And it talks about the different types of of pictures that you might see. And if you see a picture, let's say of someone who doesn't have clothes on, the book talks Mm -hmm. about that. You're going to tell someone on your high five safety team. That is something that is happening a lot in even elementary schools. Mm -hmm. I saw it a lot in my work where children would come home. Someone has porn on their phone on elementary school, on the bus, on the way home. They show it to a young child. Elementary school. Yeah. Like, like a grade eight student somehow has it on his phone, maybe from an older brother. They mm-hmm. show it, they're showing it around on the bus. A young student sees it. It's very traumatic for them. They're like, they have no concept of what they're seeing. This is the type of stuff that I have been seeing happening um, over the last, yeah, let's say six years working with school age children. And so it's really important to have those discussions about good picture, bad picture. Who are you going to tell? Who's that high five safety team that you can talk to if you see an unsafe picture and having that discussion with your children early on about why we don't take those unsafe pictures and that like building that foundation when they're young is going to be huge in helping them when they are teenagers and reiterating those conversations of you can come to me with anything, but I'm not going to be getting you in trouble because you told me that you saw this picture. Or that you saw this picture and you were interested in it. You were curious about it. I want you to come to me and tell me about that. Because they probably will be curious. Children are very curious people. Which is amazing what makes them so wonderful and incredible. And at the same time, when you have access to Google and like this unlimited space where you can <laughs> explore that curiosity, it's not safe. And so setting those parental limits really being in tune with what's on their phone, what apps do they have. I mean, I feel I have strong feelings on TikTok. I'm sure you do too. Uh, <sighs> yeah, um, I've never, I've never even, I'm not, so I've, I've, I'm not a TikToker. Uh, I don't no. do it. And I also don't watch it. You know, friends will send me some TikTok videos, but I rarely ever open them. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's, of course, with everything else, there's going to be some great information on there that I'm sure is educational that would would help, right? I, I've really loved some of the information regarding COVID or the vaccine via mm-hmm. some of the physicians on there or epidemiologists or, you know, whatever, whoever they are. But <laughs> with everything that you might learn, there's always, you know, a whole slew of other things that happen as well. So yeah. I, well, yeah, with, especially with younger children, I mean, I don't even, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think about impulse control, right? And like, even as adults, like we both know, we both have careers on social media and we're both talking about how we need better boundaries and it's hard to control our own impulses towards going on and, and responding to messages and all. And now we're talking about children who don't even have that impulse control and giving them, or they don't even understand so many different concepts that are on the internet and giving them this access to it is, it's detrimental. Like, I think it can be detrimental. Yeah. And I think I agree with what you're saying. Like, I'm hoping that now that we've had a few more years with social media and parents are becoming more aware of the detrimental effects of it, 
that as our children grow up, we will be able to have more boundaries and more parents will set those boundaries, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think this, like the last generation, like the generation that I've been counseling is kind of the first generation to go through it all. So right. their parents are learning. It's, it's not their fault. Like their parents are learning. They're trying to figure out how to navigate it. The kids are right. getting these platforms for the first time. So it's very new. It's very new right now. Right. And I think we're just starting to see, you know, the effects of, of all of that, you know, as those children, you know, go through it and and graduate. And unfortunately, some have, whether it's anxiety or depression, or I know that there were a few psychologists or psychiatrists that I've talked to that, you know, have obviously reported the increase of just anxiety and depression in general, but also, you know, suicidality and Mm -hmm. admissions for that within the inpatient system. And it's just really, really sad. And it's hard not to attribute it to, you know, directly to social media, because that is the one difference, you know, between prior generations is this addition of, you know, social media and the smartphone in general. Of course, yeah, because you used to be able to go home and then your home life was stuck. I don't know if you hear my daughter crying in the background. So, so funny aside, I just texted my husband. I was like, I think Maggie's crying. I'm still on the, on the podcast interview. Do you uh-huh. mind going to grab her? But I think it might be yours. <laughs> no, it's, it's my baby. Yeah. Okay. No, it's um, mine. Okay. So let's just see. I, I think, let me just check and see if we have any other questions that we could go over really quickly. Oh, this is a good, this is a good one. And we kind of talked about this, but this is a very specific question. So I want to stand up for my son when he tells me someone is being mean to him, but then I don't want to interfere and think that maybe he has to learn to stand up for himself. What age is appropriate for that? He's 10. So for him, I would really be working on uh, two things. Well, I would be working on empowering him to stand up for himself, but at the same time, that doesn't mean we just leave him to like, like no, you've got to stand up for yourself, you know, be strong, you know, be, be a man, go stand up for yourself. It's about coming alongside him and working with him. What do you need in that moment? What do you need him to know? Uh, what would be helpful in that moment? Role playing it out at home, practicing it. And then still, if, if he is being bullied, coming full loop around with that teacher. So we do want to empower our kids to have the words because we don't like there is going to be so many times when we can't be there right beside them. So we want to practice. So we even practice that with our daughter because she has a few friends, not that bully her, but we have friends that have younger kids who have, uh, who just tend to hit when they get angry or get upset because they're two, you know, my daughter, speaking of those communication types is definitely like passive. Like, so she'll Mm -hmm. just basically just stand there and let someone hit her or let someone Mm -hmm. kick her or push her over. So we really are working on that assertiveness with her. And so we'll work on, you know, stop, like her saying stop yeah. and walking away and we'll role play that and we'll practice that out. And with a 10 year old, that might look a little bit different. You might decide what different route you want to go. It might be just ignoring the bully and walking away, telling someone trusted. It might be saying stop. It might be labeling it as bullying. It, it kind of depends, but you do want to try and empower your child to know how to respond in those situations. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to end Jess with these two questions that I ask all of my interviewees. And the first one is what piece of advice would you give to moms? It doesn't have anything. It doesn't have to do with anything we talked about today. It can be about anything, but what one piece of advice you would give? One piece of advice that I have for all moms is be gentle on yourself. I know we talk about all of these things and I mean, this week on my Instagram page, we're talking about consent. We're talking about bullying right now. Like these are heavy topics. And I talked today about, you know, it's our job to keep our kids safe. And that feels sometimes like such a over, like such a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say like, do that with, with gentleness on yourself, knowing that you're never going to say all these things perfect. Sometimes you're going to go full mama bear on someone and just mm-hmm. like get angry and yell at them. And like, I've been there too, even though I preach, be gentle, be calm, you know, th- there's going to be times when you're not. So just be gentle on yourself as you work through this process. That's, that's the best piece of advice I can give because that gentleness flows out from you to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's beautiful. 
So the second is if you could make one meal for your entire family that you know everybody will eat, that's quick and easy. I know. (laughs) Quick, easy, and that everybody will eat, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Think about that. You know what everybody in our family loves is breakfast for dinner. Mm-hmm. So we love a good like sausage or bacon and eggs with toast for dinner. It's like always a hit for mm-hmm. everybody. Now, I'm going to ask you this because sometimes people have these like secret tricks that they do to their like scrambled eggs. Do you do anything to them or do you just put a little bit of some like oil in the pan and scramble them up? Do you do anything special? Well, my husband loves Gordon Ramsay. So we do his uh, scrambled eggs, which is actually... Uh, well, I'm probably going to get this wrong now, but it's <laughs> eggs and just a little bit of sour cream in it and then Ooh. mixed all together and then in the pan with butter, uh, like fried with butter all together. It's ooh, now my stomach is grumbling. Um, it's very delicious. And it makes well, we the scrambled were, eggs really good. We were talking about food before we started. The we were. I know. Then you got to end me on food. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. That's funny. <laughs> So you said it was what Gordon Ramsay. I'm gonna. Gordon, I'm going to try Gordon to find Ramsay. the recipe and see if that's it. Because I'll I'll link it in the show notes. Because now I'm curious about these eggs. I mean, there's so many different things I've heard. Like I've heard like some people will put like a little bit of Sprite in there or a little what? bit of I don't even know, just such weird things. And so I always ask because I feel like there is got to be a better way to make eggs than just a little bit of oil in the pan, right? There's got to be something you can add to them to make them more flavorful. So. Yeah, well, yeah, we I'm love it with the with the little bit of sour cream. Yeah, definitely look it up. My husband's like a big Gordon Ramsay fan, and he's got all these YouTube videos, so we'll always look it up and just like try oh, random oh, recipes fun. out. So fun, that's awesome. something fun to do. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jess. This conversation was great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and yeah, it was so nice to connect with you off Instagram and to talk about bullying. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.